Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. All right, now, if you caught last week's episode on lesser-known approach to parenting where I was being interviewed by Tiffany Johnson from What's the Word podcast, well, that was just part one, and this week is part two, and we dive into even more fun stuff. So I'm not going to chat any longer. She gives a good intro at the beginning, and don't make sure you don't miss Life Hacks because at the end, Life Hacks comes from many of our listeners who drop some good suggestions. And so it's a really fun little collection of some really handy tips. So, all right, let's jump in. Awesome. All right. Well, we are back for part two with the Jenna Lee Samuel, who is actually right now live from Philadelphia. Yes, ma'am. And she is so pumped about it. She's driving right now, but um, but we're so excited. I'm so excited uh, to have her back on and to continue this conversation about parenting. Yes, I'm excited too. Now, I know you have um, kind of off, off topic, on topic. Um, you know, one thing I love about Jenna Lee is that she is also one of the most fashionable people on the planet and you have a vision for both the holiness and the fashion yes ma'am and i want you i know this is not on parenting but i want you to talk about it for a minute because i'm definitely going to have her back to talk more in depth about this okay um yeah well i am also we kind of talked last episode about my ministry experiences and what i do there but i'm also a wardrobe stylist surprise And um, that was something that the Lord pulled me into uh, probably about six or seven years ago, pulled me into the fashion industry. And it was very unexpected, but it has become apparent that it is just part of the call of God on my life. And so I'm, I'm walking that road. In fact, I just met someone in uh, New York, right? New York. Is that where we were? We've been through a lot of states today. Um, that she, I met her when I got in the fashion industry and I said, Lord, I need a spiritual mentor or another believer who's in fashion I can learn from. And I got on the Elijah list website to read some prophetic words. And there was one posted. And at the bottom, the author was a celebrity wardrobe stylist and fashion designer, Gina Lamort. And I was like, what? So I contacted her, emailed her and she never responded but she started following me on Instagram like a week later. Well, it turns out that someone else who I don't even know is someone random on Instagram who knows her found one of my posts when we were flooding in hurricane Harvey, when our house flooded and they sent it to her and they said, you need to follow this girl. She's a pastor and she lives in Texas and she just flooded, but um, she works in fashion too. And her story is incredible. You need to follow her. So even though I emailed Gina, it was that, friends sharing my Instagram post that caused her to start following me. And so we got connected. And then I've, I've, I've prayed in her boyfriend. I prayed in some employees for her. We've just made a lot of connections. So I just met her in person, um, oh like an hour ago. So sorry, that's a very long story. You can edit that out. No, honestly, no, it's staying in folks. It's staying in it's too good. Um, no, well, and I think it says a lot. That's why with, I want her to share that because she, um, not only is someone who, loves fashion she's all about fashioning hearts 
And yeah. so I think it coincides to even parenting because yes, the outward appearance, there is a way to do it and rock it. That's godly. Um, but also the fashioning of the hearts, which she is so good at and uh, which leads us to what we're going to talk about today. And something that was important to me is um, this, the culture today, this counterculture, especially as you know, you're raising your children. Um, there's a lot to navigate through. There's so much more to navigate through than when I was a kid. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I just kind of wanted to hear from your perspective. Um, how do you navigate your children through the culture today? Oh man. Okay. So we're actually that I'm not going to lie. That's work. Like that's work, work because you're, you're not just fighting against what's normal and traditional in culture, but then, then you're kind of fighting against your kids who want to follow the trends of culture. And probably one of the biggest ways that I feel like we do that is our kids are not allowed to be on social media. Um, and they kind of hate us for it a little, little bit. Not really. They love us. But um, I'm even a social media manager. So I manage a lot of social media accounts. And uh, we won't let our kids on social media. And I have to help them understand, listen, this is A, my job. And so I'm not doing it just to be, be wasting time. But B, at this stage in your lives, your brains are still developing. Your emotions are still developing in so many different ways. Being on social media is fruit is, is fruitless for teenagers because it only produces bad fruit. Basically, it it occasionally you know occasionally it might inspire their creativity and they become entrepreneurial through it. But typically, all it does is it elevates depression. It elevates that comparison thing that leads them feeling very self critical, very insecure. Um, in fact, social media also the way that it impacts your brain, the surface of your brain from all the scrolling um, is all that stimulation and all the neuron firing on the surface of the brain has the same physical impact as shaken baby syndrome. And so wow. it actually physically damages their brains to be scrolling that fast because God built us for deep focused work. In fact, when you're in a deep focused place and you get in your flow, that actually relieves stress. But when they are scrolling on social media and they can't reach their flow, there's a lot of things that happen. A, they don't relieve stress. So their stress levels stay higher throughout the day, which also leads to depression. Um, it changes the surface of their brain. But what I've also found is it trains you because I, I experienced this as an adult. It trains you to not know how to get still or have those still moments and empty spaces in your day when God will speak or when your own creativity can, can operate. And so it, it handicaps them in their creativity and it handicaps them in their ingenuity. And it had handicaps them from those little moments where the Holy spirit might be speaking because they just open their phone and scroll social media instead of being still and having those moments available. So that's the biggest way we fight culture. Um, and, and it's, it's difficult, but we have to hold our ground steady and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> well, I, I can only imagine because I mean, you're talking, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is ministering to me all the times that I realized that, you know, I can honestly tell you in my own personal life, I can see where I have back, I'll say backslidden because of social media where I'm not hit, hearing his voice. I don't include yeah. him into my day and 
all those things just because it's so easy to pick up and scroll. It's so mindless in a way that you're just doing it, but yet there's such a deep chasm that happens on the inside that you're totally unaware about. Yeah, that's true because there's so much that's taken in, even on the subconscious level from taking in that much data and that much information that rapidly. And so I, I, they're just beginning to scratch the surface of learning the, the impact on social media on, on youth and adolescence. Um, but I think as the generations progress, our, our younger generation right now is unfortunately the guinea pigs of that. And, you know, by the time we have grandchildren, there'll be a lot more awareness and, you know, people like Bill Gates, he doesn't let his kids have, um, uh, them have computers and uh the guy the apple guy whatever his name was oh yeah let his kids have apple products he wouldn't let them have iphones yeah he wouldn't let them have iphones and so like if the ones that are creating it won't let their own children have it that in itself tells you a lot you know oh yeah that that's huge and you know i think that there's a lot of pressure even on parents too because you know the kids want it and Um, and you know, as well, they don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to be that parent. You know, how would you encourage them because they are feeling that pressure? I'm sure. Yeah. And, and I totally get that because when the kids are growing up and every one of their friends has a cell phone or every one of their friends has a, you know, social media account. I mean, my kids' friends follow my social media accounts, you know, I don't mind, but I think, um, what we found is, so we have, we do have phones. My oldest son and my second son have phones. Uh, initially we got him a phone at like 12, 13 and we figured out that's just too young. Um, but we start out really, uh, strictly and we have them sign a contract. So we work up a contract, which lays out very clearly what the boundaries are and we make it, they have to sign the contract. We read through it very carefully. We make sure they understand what they're signing. And we make sure that they know if you violate this contract, you lose the privilege. Um, Your phone, you are not entitled to privacy on your phone. We will pick up your phone at any random moment and we will look through anything on your phone because you do not have the privilege of privacy on your phone until you're an adult. And we just set that straight from the beginning. And we let them know it's not because we don't trust you. It's because we want to help keep you accountable because there is a lot you have access to when you have a phone. And, and we also want to teach them how to have proper social skills, even on an on a electrical device. And so, um, you know, even in texting, we've taken away their phones for getting in bullying conversations or, um, you know, just being rude to people or talking about people behind their back in messaging. You know, we discipline them for that as well. And so, um, but our, our philosophy was, kind of ease them into it while they're under our roof so that we can establish healthy um, guidelines and healthy lifestyles before they're just cut loose on their own. That way, hopefully by the time they're an adult, they'll have some wisdom to apply to the freedom that will come with being an adult. And so that's our, that's our approach. And I really encourage parents when your kids are in church, please, well, this is our preference. We don't put our kids on electric or on um, on uh, technical devices in church. Like sometimes churches have the all family services where the kids will sit in the service. We made a decision from the beginning 
we will not entertain our kids or teach them to be quiet in church with a device or at a restaurant um, or when people come over to the house, because we want them to learn that a, when you're in the house of God, you are respecting God's presence. You're not tuning it out. Um, And when we're at a restaurant or when we're with people, people are more important than things. And so the priority is the conversation and connecting with people because we want them to prioritize community over entertainment. And so those little disciplines um, are not the easy path. They are definitely the narrow path. <laughs> I'll just say yes. that. We have to take our kids out of church many times when they were little, go spank them in the bathroom to teach them how to sit still in church. And then we, t- we would let them bring like little cars maybe to yeah. because they're still listening when they're playing with something simple like that. Yeah. But, but they're keeping their hands busy. But with an electrical device or a phone or whatever, they tune out everything, you know, and yes. they get lost in that world. And I do not want my kids to be programmed to tune out church when they're at church. I don't want them to relate to God that carelessly, you know, that's, I think that's very, very insightful and helpful. Um, yeah. and, and that really even leads me into, to one of what I wanted to ask you next is, you know, for you and your husband as Christians, mm-hmm. what are ways that you have taught your children about Jesus in a daily life with him? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I love that one. Um, that, that, the, the last question is, it is part of that answer, but, um, we also teach them, especially started in the summer times where we wouldn't let them, um, get on TV or do other things until they had their morning Bible time. And so we taught them how to have morning Bible time. And of course they're children, they're not going to have an hour with Jesus. Um, but we want to nurture in them the ability to hear God's voice because, Uh, Something I heard from actually someone who was on my podcast, and it was a quote she had heard from an author uh, where they said, teaching your children to depend on the Holy Spirit is the most important thing you can do because they will outgrow their need for you, but they will never outgrow their need for the Holy Spirit. And so that is a priority to us, teaching them how to hear God's voice. And, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, but my kids have gotten to the point where now in the summertime, I would ask them, they'd come out and they'd say, I'd say, okay, did you have your Bible time in the morning? And they're like, yes, I did. And I'd be like, okay, what did you read? And they'd tell me what they read. And I'd say, okay, and what did you learn from it? And so they'd share what they learned from it. And I was like, awesome. I just want them in the practical habit of going to God's word to get wisdom for practical living. And, um, and so that's what they're learning to do. And they're old enough now that it's becoming more of a a self-initiated habit. And, um, and then we also have family Bible time at the end of the day where we sit with them and, and I'm not going to lie, family Bible time, the first, (laughs) a long time felt like a whole lot. (laughs) It would end up with a whole lot of correction. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, can you not sit still for 30 minutes while we talk about this? You can sit through a movie. Why can't you sit through Bible time? You know? And so. there'd be a lot of correction that would come with it. Um, and so I, I honestly was afraid that my kids were going to hate Bible time because we, we'd end up correcting them half the time. Um, but when I asked my kids, Hey, you know, if we did anything different in our family, what would be different? What would you want different? And what would you want the same? And they actually said they wanted Bible time to be the same. And they said something else. Um, chores, actually chores. They said chores. I was like, really? But I guess they liked that they could choose their own chore and So they thought that was awesome. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever works. Um, And so, but they like Bible time because it, it makes them feel connected to our family. It makes them feel shepherded. It makes them feel like we're actually equipping them for life. And, um, and so we sit, 
we read a passage, maybe a half a chapter or something. And then we ask them three questions following. We say, okay, what does this teach you about God? What does this teach you about people? And what does this teach you about you? And, and in that last question, we ask them, okay, so how does that impact your daily living? And so we just ask them those same, those same questions with any passage that we read, because we want them to extract what is this teaching me about who God is? What is this teaching me about mankind? And what does this teach me about me? And how does that change my life? And, um, and they, they love it and they've, they've had to grow into loving it, but it's becoming really fruitful now that they're older. That's really cool. I love that again. Will you say again, the three things that you ask when you read a passage? Yes. Um, it's kind of like the three, the three directions of relationships that we have. What does this tell you about who God is? What does this tell you about mankind and the nature of man, basically? And what does this tell you about you or how your life should change to reflect the word of God? And so, uh, yeah, we always want them to extract the heart of God, uh, especially when you have scripture that's like, you know, Old Testament, it's to the Israelites. And it, it's hard sometimes to, sometimes we can take weird concepts out of that if we're trying to take it real literally. But if you look for the, the lens of the heart of God, then it allows you to take principles that you can more easily apply to your own life. So that's, that's really good. And I think even at me listening to this, I'm like, that is a really powerful way to even for myself to approach scripture and to, to gain from that. And what a wonderful way to teach a generation to do that as well. Yeah, it's really, it's really great. And it's honestly such a blessing as a parent. And sometimes it really surprises me the wisdom that will come from my kids and the insight when they answer those questions. And when we, when we process different, the passage and we're like, okay, what do you think it meant by that phrase, you know, or what is, you know, um, understanding and knowledge, you know, and we'll just, we'll break it down asking them, do you know what that means? Do you know what that means as we're working through that, that portion of scripture? And it amazes me the insight they have, which then fills my heart to the role that they play in our family and how they contribute with their own unique perception of God into the body of Christ. And so it's, it really is, it's really neat. That's really cool. I love that. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, well, my last, my last question for you, actually, I'm going to probably add one more at the end, but, um, the second to last question I should say is how do you help cultivate the giftings within your children? I love this because I'm just such a firm believer that God designs us on purpose and that the things he put inside of us will naturally emerge. And so, for example, when my oldest son was like six, he wanted to play guitar. And so we got him a guitar. We got him guitar lessons, but the brother struggled. Um, his fingers weren't strong enough. He just didn't have the discipline or the focus. And so he wanted to quit guitar a year in. Well, I know some parents at that point would kind of come down hard and be like, no, you're going to stick to it and you're going to finish. Um, but I knew that if guitar was inside of him or music was inside of him, it would emerge. And I knew it would start to emerge around junior high because that's when they're formulating their identity and figuring out who they are and what they love to do. And so sure enough, when he was around 11 years old, he decided to pick the guitar up again. And at this time, though, he was so self-motivated. He plays the guitar literally four to eight hours a day if he has the chance. Um, that's kind of his escape. And he has become such a talented guitarist that 
he's already had the opportunity to record on an album. He's, he's played for some concerts. He plays on our main worship team. Adults are always blown away by his skill level. And, um, and I never have to ask him to practice. And so, but what I watch for with my kids is what are they naturally drawn to? Because kids are very honest and if they don't like something, they'll tell you they don't like it. But if they like it, they will be almost like, it's like a magnet to that thing. And so my oldest son, it's the guitar. My second son, it's the drums and YouTubing, which sounds counter to what I said about social media, but we want, we just keep a real close watch on that. Yeah. Um, right now he's on a break from his YouTube channel because he had bad attitudes. Um, but his is drums and YouTubing, and he just has a real gifting for the technical side and the, the um, computer uh, computer stuff that comes with that. He helps me in my business sometimes too with that. Uh, my third son is uh, basketball. He is, he's determined to go to the NBA. And then my youngest son, he just likes to have fun. He's still figuring himself out. Um, but he's a little younger than that age group so far. So we just kind of watch to see what naturally emerges without forcing anything. I don't ever want to put expectations on them because I don't think that's fair. I'm not, I'm not God. And I, I don't know what lies inside of them. It, it's my job to help discover that. And then when we see those things coming to the surface, we try to help by adding momentum, by letting, helping them get lessons, um, encouraging them to do things that nurture those gifts and stuff like that. That's really good. And I will say in credit to even her son who plays the guitar, I have played guitar for 20 years and even listening to him on social media, I'm like, man, this kid is good. Like real good. <laughs> so you. I can, I can say that she is testifying and saying the truth. Cause I've been like, <laughs> oh dang, that this kid is good. <laughs> but I, I love what you said. And even if you want to elaborate on more on it more, um, you know, I think growing up, all of us have felt at times expectations because, you know, as, and I think it's just honest as parents, you want to provide the best opportunities for children um, so it's easy to put even personal goals or um, personal desires on your children um, instead of, you know, what naturally comes out of them. Yeah. And um, if you even want to elaborate on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like my philosophy, again, same as like just parenting in general, is I feel like God in his great wisdom decide, designed them so perfectly. And I never want my human um, my limited perception of them or my human ambition to get in the way of how he's made them. He's always doing a new thing. And it, it's kind of presumptuous for me to assume that I know what they're going to grow up and do in life. Right. So what I, what I talk to when I talk to my kids, in fact, at church, for example, because they're pastor's kids, I have asked people at church, Please do not tell my children because many people go, uh, you're a pastor's kid. You should know better. Or you, you're a pastor's kid. So you need to be the example in class. And I've gone to them and I've said, please do not tell my child they need to do something because they're a pastor's kid. Yeah. Or when they look at my kids and say, are, so are you going to be a pastor when you grow up because your parents are? And I say, please don't do that. Because for one, I don't ever want them to feel pressure because of the calling on me and my husband's life, you know? Right. Um, secondly, I don't want them to attach their behavioral and, and moral choices to being a pastor's kid because one day they won't be a pastor's kid anymore. And yeah. I want those things to come out of their identity as a son of God and as a man of God. And so that's what we attach 
those motivators to you. Um, but then when it comes to, oh, and then when it comes to, are you going to be a pastor when you grow up? I've told them very clearly, I said, listen, daddy and I do not expect or assume that any of you will be pastors just because we are, you guys are each made unique and God has a specific calling on your life. And whatever that is, whether it's the NBA, whether it's the music industry, whether it's pastoring, whether it's teaching or, you know, studying sharks for a living, because my youngest likes to do that. Um, then God has built you that way in his wisdom. And that is the best place you'll impact the earth. And so I don't ever want you guys to feel like we expect you to be a pastor. I don't expect that. And so I just take that pressure off. Um, but one thing that, that helps me is when I heard, and this helped me even as an adult, is that part of how you can identify what your calling is, is by identifying your giftings. And um, they said, don't do just what you're passionate about, which may sound counter, but your passions can change. If I'm watching yeah. HGTV every day for six hours, I'm going to become passionate about interior design. But that might not be actually what I'm gifted for. It just might be what is my hobby for the season of my life, you know, um, or maybe the people I'm around, what they're passionate about may rub off, you know, but your giftings are the things that you do the very best with the least amount of effort. And they show up in every season of your life with the lead, without you even really trying because they're your giftings. They're just how you are. And so I started looking at my life and not evaluating or looking at my kids, kids' lives and not evaluating what are they passionate about, even though I do pay attention to that, but more so, what are they just very natural at, even without trying? Mm -hmm. And when I see those things, I call those things out. So my third son, Benjamin, he is a very natural teacher. He's very patient with young people. He's oftentimes drawn to people who are maybe a little bit autistic or a little slow. And he really likes to help coach them and like help and encourage them. He's a real encourager. So he is a very natural teaching gift. Now that doesn't mean he'll be a teacher per se, but that's a gifting in his life. And so I call that out and I let him know, Hey Ben, I'm so impressed how patient you are and how articulate you are at explaining things to people. That's a real natural teaching gift. I wonder how God's going to use that in your life, you know? And then I just, I just add momentum and help them recognize, Hey, I'm really good at this because when it is a gift, you may not always recognize that it's a gift because it feels so natural. And so um, just calling out those things that you see show up wherever they go, whatever they're doing, um, those are usually a clue to what the calling of God is on their life. That's, that's really good. And I think um, even as I kind of go into this last question, I just, I really want to thank you for your wisdom and insight. And even as someone like myself who doesn't uh, have children, um, there's so many lessons, even in what you've mentioned that I think is really powerful. And it kind of leads me into my last question. You know, I know that you've mentored people for years. I've mentored people for years. What has now, now being a parent, um, mm -hmm. what are some things from parenting that you have put into mentoring? Hmm, that's a good question. Hold on. I need to think on that one. Um, I understand that. Yeah. I think. I think probably that, that last, that last one, um, and calling out, I feel like, okay. I feel like what I've noticed is really, really, really underrated, but overly important 
like super duper important is the role of encouragement Mm. and calling out those things you see in people's lives because a everyone is their own worst critic and b it's a lot easier to be critical than encouraging but for example when i go out and watch benjamin play basketball i kind of do this as an experiment and i'll i'll razz him and be like baby you need to you need to improve your um your accuracy buddy you need to work on that and so i'll try to like you know, throw in some playful criticism and be like, mm, you should have, you should have done your arms a little different. And then I'll do that for a couple minutes. And he usually misses all of those baskets. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> so messed up. So then I'll go, you know what, Benjamin, it's okay. I believe in you. You'll figure it out. I believe in you. And just saying, I believe in you. Boom. He makes the basket. Benjamin, you're the best basketball player I've ever seen. Boom. He makes the basket. And so like, I can see how just in those little tiny moments, just choosing words that speak life and encouragement, it brings out his best performance. And so whether I'm parenting or whether I'm mentoring, I try to always call out and not just their performance, but call out the character behind the fruit they're producing. So like a lot of times we'll be like, oh, you're a good kid because you got straight A's. Well, instead of being like, oh, you did so good. Thank you for your straight A's. I'll say to my son, you know what, baby, I'm so proud of the hard work, the self-control and the discipline that it took to get those straight A's because whether it's A's or whether it's C's, if I see they're working hard, then I'm going to, I'm going to call that out. Um, because then it, it helps them not be focused on works, but it helps them focus again on the character development. And I feel like that really translates from parenting to mentoring and back because it's, it's rare that people get genuine encouragement, but it's really important. I think that's really good. And I, and to even echo that in my own personal life, my own personal testimony, I've been in a season where I have a leader in my life and, uh, he has been so life giving to me. And someone said to me, um, that, that also works for him. He said, she said, you know, when every time I'm around you and this person, I just can tell he sees something in you that maybe you don't even see in yourself. Wow. And that really impacted me because they're, they're always like, I'm behind you. I believe in you. I want to see you bloom. And I mean, just like, always like, how can I equip you? Always ask me, how can I equip you to soar? I want you to soar. I want you to do this. And it's been so opposite from the season I kind of just came out of that. It's almost been jarring but in the most beautiful way for me and having that just, and it's, and I can tell it's coming from um, even though he's a mentor in my life, it's coming from a place. I know that he is also a father and, and loves to shepherd and, and is truly a pastor. And so I can feel that in that, that empowers me. And it's funny because today he asked me one question and I I've been thinking about it ever since he said, are you content? And I thought I am, but I realized since even when, since my grandfather has passed away, I haven't been content and just having someone in in my life that has believed in me and has backed me, the Lord has really supernaturally used to bring contentment into my life where I'm actually okay to be where I'm at in my life right now. Because I said, because I, and I told this to him, I said, because I trust in God's leadership, but I also trust in your leadership in my life too. And that yeah. has brought so much peace because I know where the motivator is. And, um, and that just knowing that like my whole mindset, 
going into my work and I can tell that I'm actually performing better even within my position because I feel that that backing in every single thing I do and the things I'm producing I can tell are better and you know and I'm I'm pretty I'm almost 40 years old and so even knowing that at whatever stage or age at your life I think we all need that and um and how much you know it doesn't just apply to children but it does apply to us as adults and what we can pour into each other and what we can pour into the next generation. And um, the aspect of encouragement, I think is powerful at no matter, no matter what age you are, because, um, and I, I say this just for anybody listening, you know, the, the seniors in your life need that encouragement, you yeah, know, the adults true. in your life need that encouragement, the children in your life. And I think we can get so focused on children, which this is what it's all about too. So I, I don't want to deter too much, but we can forget that we ourselves need it to each other as well. Yes. And, um, and I think that even goes into parenting, you know, you know, I'm sure generally when someone has encouraged you go, you know, you're doing a great job with your children. I'm sure it even adds courage and, and, and it adds strength to who you guys are because yeah. it's so easy to think that you're not doing it by yourself, but you know what I mean? Because it's something that you and your husband are doing privately and the public representation is kind of your children, yeah. you know? And so, um, so I just, I want to end kind of with that is, um, just even, you know, I would encourage anybody listening today. If you know someone who is, who is raising children, whether it's a, even a single parent, um, or, you know, someone else that, you know, in the, your life that you just can see, and maybe you haven't told them recently, the things that you enjoy that you're seeing that they're doing with their children. I think maybe today would be a great day just to encourage them to, to give strength to that other parent to say, you know what, I really appreciate what you are doing with your children and how much is encouraged and strengthened to me, because I think that goes a long way as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a, there's a passage in Hebrews that says, as long as it is called today, do not fail to encourage one another so that your hearts are not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Wow. And what that told me is like the role of encouragement, A, needs to be frequent because he says, as long as it's called today, don't fail to do this. So A, encouragement needs to be frequent. But B, when we don't have encouragement coming in or we don't know how to encourage ourselves in the Lord, then it actually can lead to the hardening of our hearts and then the deceitfulness of sin. And so the role of encouragement is vital, you know, it's huge. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to point that out because that was kind of a mind blowing scripture for me. Yeah. Oh, it's mind blowing to me right now. So that <laughs> is really good. Well, generally I can't thank you enough for your time, for your wisdom and for sharing your heart and being so open um, with all, all everybody listening today. Oh man, I appreciate you having me, Tiffany. And I, I have to say, you just make me sound way cooler than I really am. So I appreciate that. <laughs> but I have had such a great time. And you are one of those people who I carry your voice with weight because of the wisdom and the anointing on your life. And I mean that very genuinely. I felt that way since I was 18 years old. So just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm proud of you for, for doing this podcast and putting the hard work in. It's not easy, but I know your heart is to minister to people. And this is a beautiful way to do that. So I'm really proud of you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Especially I got a 
message today that someone said, I don't think you're saved. And I thought, have you ever listened to my podcast yet? (laughs) I was thinking, I "I think you just saw the ad and then you just assumed and, but no, thank you so much. And the same goes for, for you. And I know, you know, that genuinely as well. And, um, and again, I am shamelessly plugging Jenna Lee's podcast and Java with Jen. I know that you as a listener will be so blessed listening to it. I know that you will be encouraged and um, I- I'm just excited for her ministry and what's going forth from her mouth and know that this was just a sample, a taste of what you will get listening to her. So thank you again for being with me. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. It was a pleasure as usual. <laughs> I love it. All right. We'll see you next time on What's the Word? Okay, so for today's life hacks, I decided to poll some of my friends on Facebook, and actually many of these people are listeners of the podcast. So one person, Jessica Mills, her life hack is when they have leftover pizza, she warms the pizza back up in the microwave with a coffee cup that's three quarters filled with water. She says it tastes like it was just delivered. That's amazing. Um, another one, Lena Ayers, she is a regular listener of the podcast. She says grocery delivery (laughs) and Lena has all kinds of little ones. So yes, I would echo that. I have found that it helps me the most if I do my groceries, then like when I'm in bed at night and I just schedule it for the next day because at HEB anyways, they'll charge you if you plan for pickup the same day, but it's free if you do it the next day. But if I order them early in the morning, then I have to wait a whole day to pick them up. So I will order them late at night and then plan to pick them up the next morning and then it doesn't feel like such a long wait. Okay, so Melody Henson, who's actually one of our podcast sponsors, says every year we do this on Black Friday, And random times throughout the year, Office Depot will have a sale on batteries where if you buy a pack of AA's for, say, $13.99, you get $13.98 back in rewards. So every year, we stock up on batteries and use the rewards to stock up on toilet paper and paper towels, which Office Depot also sells. So you can also return used ink cartridges for extra reward points. That is a great idea basically free batteries. And then you put that money towards toilet paper or something. I'm assuming they won't let you use the rewards to get more batteries. So that's why they probably roll it into paper products. But that's a really great idea. Black Friday and random times throughout the year at Office Depot. Cool hint. Okay, another life hack from Melody Henson. She says, replace all the toxic cleaners in your home with Thieves Cleaning Solution. It's from Young Living. Thieves is their um, collection of oils that is cinnamon, clove, eucalyptus, lemon, and rosemary. And so this, it's named Thieves because back during the bubonic plague, there was a group of thieves that when people were sick with the bubonic plague and they were on their beds, they couldn't move. And so these thieves would go into these homes and rob people while they were dying and sick. Well, these thieves never got sick because they hung all kinds of um, plants and, and wreaths around their neck um, with, they stuff stuff in their pockets and put it all around them of cinnamon, clove, eucalyptus, lemon and rosemary, some combination of those green things. And they held them, they put them around their necks. So when they were going in and out of these houses, it kind of 
kept them from getting sick. It's antibacterial and antiviral, all these oils. And so she says what they do is she puts it in spray bottles and in the kitchen and laundry room and she uses you can use plastic or as a bonus use glass bottles and she said you can add a few drops of citrus essential oils for an even deeper clean she said what she does is you can buy the cleaning solution in bulk and then it only ends up about a dollar per refill you use one capful of the cleaner and then fill the rest with water and it's all clean it's good for your immune system even just breathing it builds your immune system and it detoxes or it uh, is antibacterial, antiviral, cleans your home, but it doesn't hurt your body in the process. So all really great life hacks from my fabulous friends online. If you have some great life hacks, send them to me because frankly, I run out of ideas, but also I love to hear y'all's life hacks because they help me as well. Um, and so send them to me or watch on social media on Facebook or Instagram. Every so often, I'll put a shout out for your best life hacks, and you guys can just drop what has been saving your life that week, saving you time, money, or your sanity. So anyways, that's the life hacks for this week. A recap was put a cup of water in the microwave with your pizza when you warm it back up, and she says it makes it like it's delivered. Use grocery delivery, and especially if you shop at night, schedule it for the morning. It's not like you'll have to hardly wait at all, but it'll still be free. Uh, do the Black Friday shopping for to stock up on batteries and paper products and use their rewards to help you buy everything. And using Thieves Cleaning Oil Cleaning Solution to replace all your toxic products. So great suggestions, ladies. You guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with a friend. If you know someone who would benefit from the stuff shared in this episode, send it to your friends. And if you would even throw it on social media and tag me, you guys have no idea how many people listen to the show simply because they saw a friend recommend it. That is huge, huge, huge. Um, it's not very common that people will just browse the podcast app and pick my show at random. So, but your referrals is the primary way that our podcast grows and gets more, um, more listeners. And so if you guys would throw it on social media, that's a huge blessing. And if you do tag me so I can give you a shout out, you guys have a wonderful week and I will see you back next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, Let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.